He is our brother. You can check out all his amazing work over at Heavy on Sports, Soaring Down South, of course, Clocker Sports. He's been covering the NBA, the NFL like a blanket. But recently, our man has been all over the Bears beat. You can catch him at every game at Soldier Field and, of course, over at Hallis Hall. And Hallis Hall has been the focal point of huge conversation here in Chicago. Joining us is our brother, Josh Buckholter. Josh, it has been some form of a week, huh, buddy? Why, whatever do you mean? (laughs) Just a a normal day here at 1920 Football Drive. You go over there, right, with all the good vibes. You've been on this grind for a while. You've seen all the craziness that's happening. Tell me the moment you walked into Hallis Hall on Wednesday morning. What was the feeling like by the time you left Wednesday night? So coming in Wednesday morning, I was hoping to hear some logic about, you know, the, the collapse in week two. And things just kind of <laughs> spiraled out of control from there, from uh, Fields' comments about feeling robotic on the field uh, to the resignation of Alan Williams. But by the time I left, I felt like I came and sat in on a different practice. I sat in on a different team's day-to-day operation because it just seemed like so much turmoil from an organization that's projected so much confidence this offseason. So you've been talking with the beat reporters, and I've always said this. You and I have talked about it off-air, how I believe, and I think it's a sentiment a lot of us in the industry, that Chicago beat reporters from all walks of life, from the, the, the sky and fire to the Bulls, Bears, Cubs, Sox, and everything in between, we have some of the best in the industry, some of the most fair, the most thorough what were the emotions like for the beat reporters when the first press conference from Justin Fields happened to when we were starting to get reports from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter that there wasn't this rumored raid in Hallis Hall? What what were the emotions and talk between people in the industry like? So the Justin Fields stuff kind of got everybody buzzing because it was a clear sound or sign from him that he was frustrated within the offense. I think some people took that as frustration towards uh, offensive coordinator Lou Getze. Some people like myself took that more as just frustration, like I said, within the offense and, and not being as successful as, again, like I said, they projected uh, they would be this offseason. Uh, the Williams thing kind of took everybody by surprise because nobody in the building had had any of that information or felt that that was even a thing, right? We were all wondering what was going on with Adam Williams, sure, but nobody said anything about a raid or any of the other mess and nonsense that was going on about him. And for one thing, I just want to say, um, I hope that this is a lesson to everybody who was spreading those things to just kind of pump your brakes whenever you see something and you can't verify it, especially in today's social media age. That was kind of nasty stuff, man. And I think that's something that I'm not sure the public quite understands, that you can't take that back. Once Pandora's box is open, this is now something that the Bears have to address, players have to address. We've seen attorneys make the rounds on Chicago media. I mean, this was something that from the most experienced beat reporters to the front office, this really took hold on a day where we thought that Justin Fields was going to be the big story. But amongst all that, you lost your left tackle. You have, mm-hmm. uh, staring down the barrel, an 0-3 start against Kansas City. And Justin Fields is talking about Luke Getze, and you're coming off a horrible loss to Tampa Bay on the goal line on the other side of the field. Like, this this feels like it's week 15, 16, 17, and we're getting ready for this crazy change. It's only week three, Josh. Yeah, uh, again, I think it's a shock to their system. I, I think that they truly believed in what they were doing this off season, and now that they've been punched in the mouth with all this, as Ryan Poles termed it today, adversity, um, injuries, uh, coaching turmoil, uh, quarterback unhappy. These things are all happening at the same time. And uh, I think one thing people have to remember, too, this is still a first-year group of people. 
from head coach to general manager to to the offensive coordinator to the defensive coordinator who's now like these are all first year guys so everybody's learning together and part of their learning has been their messaging which has not always been great they've they've been secretive of things when they maybe didn't need to be and so now you have this kind of I don't want to say fractured but there's this there's this friction between them and the media that does cover the team because when you don't tell anybody anything that leaves speculation about and so it's just been it's been very hectic and it's so fast but. Again, Paul spoke today and sounded as calm as ever. Um, I think that's what his job is supposed to be. I'm writing about that right now for uh, for Clocker Sports. I just I just don't know how they can write this. At least not this week. It's going, only going to get worse because they're they're probably going to get the doors blown off against Kansas City. So I, this is my big issue with the coaching staff, whether it's the front office. And I wonder somebody who's been there from training camp all the way to where we're at right now. Josh, what did they do in the off season to address the concerns that are still haunting them to this day? Whether it's at left tackle when you have a late round uh, second year player that you haven't been able to get any competition from him. The fact that you don't know what's going on with Nate Davis and granted it's a personal issue, but there was no transparency because between that and this offensive uh, uh, fixation with screenplays and and what we've all noticed, right? We don't have to be football experts to see what is going on with Justin on the field. That something just doesn't seem right. How I know you can atta- you you are able to break down what you th- what they think they wanted the message to be across. But how can that be the message if they didn't do anything to prove that that's what their goal was? So I've been asking uh, along those lines for since training camp ended, actually, because I wanted to know how could they be so confident without having seen any of this in the preseason. And the answer that I've been getting, and even got today a little bit, uh, was that it's so different from the preseason to the regular season, it wouldn't have made a difference. And Luke Gessie uh, compared it to 7-on-7 in the preseason. Well, in my uneducated eye, it looked like they could use some 7-on-7 just to work through some of the the mechanical issues and and of the play. Uh, In training camp, they were keeping him in the pocket. I noted that uh, several times, actually, uh, during my, my you know, daily practice recaps that Fields was just not using his legs as much. Even teammates noticed it, and it was viewed as a good thing. But I'm now wondering, and which is why I keep kind of harping on this issue, trying not to push to the wrong buttons, but wondering if maybe their approach to him in the preseason is what is bothering. That's why I didn't take his comments yesterday as him attacking, or on, on Wednesday as attacking offensive coordinator Lou Getzi. I took it as him trying to sort out what he has to do within what they're asking him to do. There's a fine line, and that's what both uh, Ryan Poles and Getty said today. I'm not, I'm not as concerned about his comments. I think I'm more concerned as how it's all these things. And then you speak about the offensive line. It's not just Braxton Jones. You're still without Tevin Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate Davis, who had a death in the family, uh, so thoughts and prayers out for him mm-hmm. in, in, in this time of need. Um, Darnell Wright is, is still a rookie. Your, your offensive line is in so much flux. And now your quarterback is still not feeling comfortable in the offense. That's where the biggest issue is to me is that you're trying to fix two major problems on the fly, and still they deny that they could have fixed any of this in the preseason. It's an interesting uh, approach to me. We have a few more minutes with Josh Buckholter. He's our brother. We got I got two quick ones for you, Josh, before we let you go. Make sure everybody checks out his work at Clocker Sports and Soaring Down South and all the amazing stuff, Triple Zeros. And we'll make sure to link everything because Josh is giving us updates every single day from Hallisaw, Soldier Field, and everything in between. First one, and this is something that I think has really bothered me the most is you had a chance with a rookie a quarterback on a rookie deal you had cap space you had a clean slate and then you bring in a head coach that's a defensive 
offensive-minded head coach. You bring in an offensive coordinator that was standing behind a Aaron Rodgers who, quite frankly, doesn't need a quarterback coach or offensive coordinator. So now is the time to shine for these two coaches, whether it's Luke Getze trying to make an offense that works for Justin Fields. And now at this point where your secondary has been demolished in, in the for the Bears' defense, you don't have a front four that can rush the quarterback, and you're not able to utilize the amazing talent at linebacker like you have. Is this do or die for Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus? Are we at that Mark Tressman point now where in year two, it's all on the table? Uh, I think the outside sentiment would be that. But inside the building, Getze projected confidence, uh, togetherness. He called them a, a brotherhood within the coach's room. Um, they sound like they're going to all go together. I don't know how that's working within the building. I'm not, I'm not privy to those conversations. Uh, but there doesn't sound to be any lack of faith in anyone. However, this is a results-oriented business. And the, the further things go along – without any positive results, somebody's head is going to roll. I will say, um, I think the larger issue here is probably how the Bears have gone about doing this. You know, mm-hmm. when you marry the front office with a roster, you have to give that front, off- the front office the ability to mold the roster how they see fit. Now, I'm not saying that they don't like Justin, but I feel like there was just a disjointness because they didn't select him that they had mm-hmm. to then shed down some salary, and you kind of lost last season to figure out what, Justin Fields really is. So now you're trying to do it this year and everything. Again, I go back to that. Everybody's the first is a, in their first time on the job this, in this role. Now they're trying to figure out how to deal with these things on the fly because they haven't had to deal with these things before. It's part of the reason why people kind of downed the hiring of Matt Eberflus because he's a defensive coach. And even if Luke Getzey was able to work with Justin Fields, that success is only going to mean Luke Getzey probably leaves. So it's it's a lot of of, of naysayers' points coming back and coming to fruition. But it's also kind of just the growing pains of a young front office, a first-time head coach, a young quarterback, all learning together at the same time. It's rough, man. It's rough. What do you think Kevin Warren thinks about this entire situation? I would love to hear that because his one of his roles was to come in and handle the messaging, and it's almost seemingly gotten worse since he's come on board. I'm not blaming him for that. Right. Um, but he's got a lot to clean up in that regard and how, I think, how they kind of disperse their information and handle stuff on a normal basis so that when things like this happen, there's not this kind of contentious uh, relationship where people are kind of just racing with whatever because they know they're not going to get much from the organization itself. Josh, you're doing the sports lord's work. You're doing amazing stuff over at Heavy on Sports, of course, Clocker Sports and Soaring Down South whether it's the NBA, the NFL. We look forward to all your updates over on Josh G. Buck over on Twitter. You get some amazing clips and some amazing recaps of what we've seen. And congratulations to you for all the recent success. And, of course, more than anything, congratulations to one of your first full-time seasons being right from the fire into the pan, from the pan to the fire. (laughs) Congratulations, brother. (laughs) That's our boy. Of course, our guy, Josh Buckhalter. We got more coming up here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado.